as a leader or as a small business owner, you're the you're the mad scientist, specifically if you're looking to grow. If you're looking to just be the chuck in the truck, uh, you know, owner operator, you know, what leadership do you need? You might have one or two people that work for you. But if you're looking to, you know, grow your your location and get to multiple locations or you're looking to, uh, you know, add people and intensify your business, you need you need leadership. Welcome to the Painter Growth Podcast, where we help you scale your painting company in record time. Join us as we explore sales, marketing, hiring, finances, leadership, and more, everything that you need to know to scale and grow your painting business. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is up, everybody? Mike Gorhakeman here, founder of PainterGrowth.com, and I have a very exciting guest today on the Painter Growth Podcast. Uh, Mr. Wayne Sugar, 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 Wayne Sugar, currently the COO of Fresh Coat Painters with over 180 franchise locations and a co-founder of Serta Pro Painters. That's Wayne, correct. very yeah. excited to have you today. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate the time. What I love about having you on and just talking to you in general is that we have a very similar origin story. We do. We come from the same roots. You want to tell me about uh, your experience with uh, with College Pro? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, we do have a similar background. Mine's a few decades in front of yours, but uh, I uh, that was my first uh, venture into self employment. I was a student in college at the time, uh, and uh, I needed a summer job, and I was hired as a painter and a foreman for a business called College Pro Painters that I had no idea existed. And uh, so anyway, I, I worked the rest of the summer uh, doing that. And then I was recruited in the fall uh, to take over a franchise location. And I did. And I really had no idea, really. I had a bit of an idea what I was getting into, but I'd never run a business. I had no sales and marketing background, no, no, nothing. And, uh, you know, so I went through the initial training and, uh, Found my territory, uh, started my marketing, generated. That was in that was in Ontario. No, it was in Calgary. I was going to school okay. in Ontario, so I, I was parachuted. And I'm from Calgary originally. I live in Atlanta, Georgia now. Uh, found my territory and uh, I got some marketing going, and went out and landed work and started producing. Uh, you know, hiring people and producing jobs, and away we went. And uh, so I did that for three summers, two years residentially in Calgary, and then I. Moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, and did uh, commercial work. Same company. Uh, didn't have I want to. I want to pause on this. Interesting for someone like me is that your general manager at the time is uh, kind of a legend. Well, I, I spoke to two people. Well, three. Uh, one was uh, Greg Clark, who was the original founder of College Pro. It was a small enough business then. It wasn't yeah. three, four, five, six hundred units. And uh, Steve Rogers, who was, uh, I guess, my general manager. And then an, an, another fellow, uh, Steve Lawrence. Um, and these people have all gone on to, you know, bigger and way better things. Uh, so, you know, within the college pro ranks, you're one of them. Uh, there's creates a very entrepreneurial uh, spirit. And uh, uh, generally people that are unemployable because uh, we like to run our own businesses and uh, it doesn't necessarily work for we're the mad scientists and so we love to do our thing. And that's, that's a bit of a curse with running, you know, a business like that at that time. And then I went on to work within the college pro painters head office 
uh, Toronto and then uh, they transferred me to Boston. So I, that's how I uh, moved into the US. And then, you know, I'm sure you'll have some other stories for or questions for me at that yeah. point. I mean, the crazy, the cool thing I think about College Pro and, and not just College Pro, but any of the student painting enterprises, and I don't think they get, they don't get their, their dues, their enough respect in the overall painting community because they really served as a funnel for a lot of really great talent to enter the painting industry. Oh, yeah. For sure. Right. Well, if you knew, right, you learned estimating, selling, uh, paint systems, failures, people management, paper management, production management, payroll, you learned everything. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, that, that it's kind of funny that we have politicians that are trying to run companies that don't have the skills that you and I would have had as a 22 year old kid. Yeah. Never, never run payroll. Uh, haven't had to go and land a job somewhere. Everything has been taken care of for them or all they have to do is show up and talk. Or fix a painter's mistake at the top of a 40 foot ladder. Yeah. 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 So we <laughs> learned, uh, you know, the school of hard knocks and the black and blue division is where we came from. Yep. So, so you, you did college bro for a few years, residential in Calgary. Then you went to, uh, then you went to Vancouver and did some commercial work. What were some of the what were some of the big learnings that you had going from a residential business to a commercial business? Cash flow, really, uh, <laughs> right? Like, uh, you know, you paint a house or you got four or five jobs on the go at any one time residentially, you got good cash flow. Uh, you're getting paid every two and a half, three days by somebody, right? Out of the four or five jobs. So you always got cash. Uh, commercial, it's right, it's 30 days, 45 days. They'll maybe give you a deposit. That doesn't mean that, you know, there's no direct deposit anymore. So you, they may mail you a check and that can take three or four days. So, uh, you know, and some of these checks were substantial in size and you had to pay your trade, uh, your tradespeople and uh, your vendors. And uh, that was the toughest. Now, I was booking work like crazy and we were producing it. But again, the cash, cash in and cash out was a lot different. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I tell my clients when they get into commercial work, like a lot of a lot of uh, GCs and builders will do progress payments. And uh, none of the payments matter until the last one. If you don't collect the last one, you don't make any money. That's the holdback, right? So you've yeah. paid everybody, you haven't been paid. And, uh, you know, then they, they could come up with the, uh, wow, there's a, there's a, now we've got a punch list all of a sudden that mm -hmm. we had along the way and, and things like that. So those are the challenges that go with, you know, getting into that cate uh, category of work, like commercial, business to business. It's, it's just different. It's just yeah. So where did where did that take you from there? What what did you do after your commercial endeavors in Vancouver? Uh, well, there was a you got kind of a, a an interesting road uh, journey, is what I like to call it. So I, I bought into a bottled water business in the Canadian Rockies, and uh, operated that for a few years, and uh, that was uh, a thrill. I would I loved doing that. And then I just went back to, you know, that business was sold. I was just a minority shareholder. Uh, and uh, so I went back to the College Pro Network and learned how to be a franchisor. So I learned how to interview, or, you know, recruit, train and support small business owners, right? Franchisees. And uh, that took me to Boston. And after a period of time, I got a little tired of the student uh, business. And, you know, I, I, I can I really don't understand how some of these you know, you go to college sports and you see some of these coaches they've been coaching for 30 years. Well, I found that I was getting a year older every year coaching college pro painters people or supporting them and they were staying the same age. And so the you know the gap was widening of uh, me 
and and them and you know what they thought was cool and what I thought was cool were getting to be two different things. So I was looking for a different uh, opportunity and. Um, so, you know, the the head people at First Service went, uh, you know, which was owning College Pro and a variety of other brands, but not quite at that point. They thought we want a, a year round non-student business. And there was a name that had been kicking around for years and years called Serta Pro. And uh, so we thought, well, let's dust off that name and just put, add painters onto the end. And that was the launch of Serta Pro. But the original concept of Serta Pro was not residential. It was commercial. And uh, so we had some college pro franchisees that were looking to graduate, you know, legitimately from school or college and wanted to stay. Right. They, they got the bug, the entrepreneurial bug, and they thought, let's just do this. So uh, overnight, we created the sort of pro painters program. We got into the light commercial business, which was, you know, condominiums and townhomes and and uh, things like that. Uh, and that's how we got launched with that immediate big growth. It, it, was, it was startling because, um, you know, even then we we focused heavily on marketing and selling. And, uh, you know, we, we started subcontracting all the work. So and these were people, you know, younger people, you know, in their mid 20s that had graduated, run a college pro business for a period of time, understood labor, underst understood the whole thing and just went, wow, this is where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And then we started, you know, we started rolling out the system across the country. And this is also early in the painting industry. What it, this was mid 92? 92, yeah. So yeah. very unrefined painting industry at this time. So you show up with a clipboard and a professional proposal, and all of a sudden yeah. you're ahead of yeah. everyone else. Yeah, well, and you know, with some marketing campaigns and tactics to sure. make the ring and yeah. knew what our target area was or target market. We we identified that. This came from my background in Vancouver, right? If mm. I didn't done high-rise buildings or condominiums, uh, Serta Pro would have, who knows if it would have ever launched or, you know, you know, and over a period of time, it morphed into more of a residential. And then, then they started to rebuild the light commercial or B2B stuff uh, yeah. built into that. So really that was the initial launch. Uh, and I guess that, but then we started to go outside, uh, you know, our network of people and uh, finding corporate America people, you know, trade shows at the time in the early 90s was franchise shows and, and things like that. It was not particularly difficult to find prospective people. So you couldn't run Facebook ads in those in the mid 90s? Oh. <laughs> Al Gore hadn't invented the internet yet. No, there was no, there was none. There was no, I mean, cell phones were just starting to make. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Okay. So, so you went on to found, uh, co-found Serta Pro Painters, which is now the biggest painting yep. company in the world, I believe, or North America at least. Yep. In terms of revenue. Well, then I left uh, Serta Pro in '93, and had an idea that I really liked to own something on my own, and uh, launched uh, Pro Tech Painters uh, in the Boston area, and uh, had you know immediate growth with that. And, you know, I was the share, a single shareholder and made all the decisions and did, you know, I didn't have anybody who was looking over my shoulder. Now, there's an issue with that, too. There, it's like anybody even running your own small business, right? Am I out here doing this on my own? I don't have a lot of peers. Uh, you know, any decision I make now is all my money. Uh, these are the, you know, and you're, you're launching a franchise system on a nickel and dime budget is not an easy thing to do either. Mm -hmm. So pretty cheap for until you get some traction with some volume of owners and, and then revenues coming in. So that was the challenge. And I, I ran that business till 
2009, and uh, a company out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, that was you know one of the business aggregators. It was called Service Brands International. Came knocking. They they had three brands: Molly Made, Mr. Handyman, One uh, Eight Hundred Dry Clean, and they'd launched uh, ducts and hoods uh, businesses as well. And they wanted to add a painting system into their inventory and they looked at a, a few, but they realized like this guy here, he's got more systems and processes. He understands uh, the trade, understands franchise. He's been a franchisee, right? Uh, so uh, they chose me and, uh, you know, it was giving my bit of an exit out of uh, running it and just started to do independent uh, uh, coaching uh, with clients around the world. Is, yep. is that what turned into the, the neighborly brand? No, that was, that's a different protect. I'll get to that in a minute here. So okay. neighborly, which was formerly known as the Dwyer group out of Waco, Texas, they had a I don't know, 12 or 13 concepts of their own. Uh, they were looking to expand and uh, they wanted a made business, which was Molly made. They didn't have a handyman business. Uh, so the, uh, service brands was um, in their target. Uh, but six months prior to this whole deal came coming down, they had acquired Five Star uh, Painting. So Protect Painters and Five Star ended up in the same uh, inventory at the, well, soon to be known as Neighborly. And then um, uh, they did a, a probably a focus group to determine which name was uh, better. And I think they chose the wrong one, but uh, I thought Five Star had a little bit of litigation, it still does, I'm sure. Uh, nobody had, uh, you know, Protect, you know, in the painting business, there's, uh, you know, two things that are attached to painting. One is aesthetics and one is protection. Uh, so that's why I chose that uh, that term. So anyway, that was uh, that was how that uh, deal uh, came along. So very cool. That's a that's a cool origin story, not just for uh, and and how uh, the neighborly group and Protect was all involved with that as well, because they're obviously big name. I mean, you've been involved with pretty much most of the biggest names in the painting industry in, in the well, North I've America. Done, I've done coaching with a, a number of them. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I will go from brand to brand and see some forms and I'll look at that and go, hmm, I developed that form in like 1991 and it's word. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny. So some of my materials do find their way around a lot of the different brands and, and, you know, they all run them very similarly, right? That's, this isn't brain surgery. Mm -hmm. You know, you come up with marketing, you know, the estimating may be slightly different, but the sales presentation is pretty much the same. Um, you know, sit, sit across the kitchen table with both decision makers. Yes. Ask for the order, <laughs> follow up, uh, schedule. So but by this time, you've now worked, I mean, we'll fast forward to today, even you've worked with neighbors of probably thousands of franchisees. What, if you could distill down, what would make a successful versus unsuccessful painting company? Like what would be some of the main things that would come to mind? So you want to talk about the painting company or the person running it? The person running it, the owner. Uh, leadership um attainment like goal oriented tenacious as hell so that uh, you don't you don't leave any stone unturned uh, specifically marketing wise and um you know the basic uh, interview and selection questions uh you know how how um do they feel that they are uh, are they an internalized or externalized will blame others or they'll see their contribution to the success or failure so the introspection 
Mm -hmm. uh, so leadership by far has got to be the biggest one. They got to be able to lead people. You, you know, you can if you want to be an independent, uh, you know, uh, chuck in the truck owner and you're booking it and producing the job yourself. Uh, you know, you'll you'll get to a certain volume. You may hit hundred uh, k or hundred and fifty thousand in sales. That's where you'll level off because you, you just don't have enough time in the day to do things. It's the people. If you want to start scaling and adding headcount to your business, and uh, you know, people. Uh, so it's leadership, and then it's you got to have systems and processes that are solid that you follow. Uh, it's not a well, we'll try it once and it doesn't work. Um, so that's the interview and selection. You got to bring on the right people uh, and then coach them up. It's not the delegate and disappear and then go, wow, I wonder why that job went south. Well, that customer's terrible. I mean, no, they're not. They're just typical customers. You you didn't uh, spend enough time training and supporting. You know, so there's a term, uh, it's called rotor. Uh, uh, Mike, you should probably learn this and use it in your own coaching. So the first R stands for recruiting. Uh, o is uh, onboarding, T is training, O is operations, and the final R, which is the, post, the most important, retention. Uh, so people will do, so they'll sort of slide through or skate through the first four letters, and then it gets, or five letters, and then it gets to that T for, or excuse me, R for retention. And people leave after 30 days, 60 days, and then you're back to square one. Mm -hmm. So those are the, those are the key things. Uh, to learn as a small business owner, specifically if you're going to grow and scale. So the first being, you said leadership, uh, attainment, and tenacity. So when it comes to leadership, um, leadership is such a, a vague term, right? It's such a catch-all these days. So what specifically um, makes a good leader? Like, it, is it the ability to get people to buy into your vision, or is it like yes. how would you define that? Right. So as a leader or as a small business owner, you're the you're the mad scientist, specifically if you're looking to grow. If you're looking to just be the chuck in the truck, uh, you know, owner operator, you know, what leadership do you need? You might have one or two people that work for you. But if you're looking to, you know, grow your your location and get to multiple locations or you're looking to, uh, you know, add people and intensify your business, you need you need leadership. And uh, so you've got to create your own vision of what that business should look like. And then you bring on the people that can help you build that vision. And uh, so that, bring, that that requires bringing on people that buy into your vision. And, uh, you know, so you need to train them up like, you, like you'd want to. Uh, you need to provide, you know, leadership development or even professional development for your key people. And that could be sending them to, you know, sales programs or, uh, things like that. There's all kinds of uh, materials and courses out there. You know, your business, Painter Growth, right? Finding somebody like you who could help them. That didn't exist um, when I was, you know, your age. Uh, so you're in a great, you have a great opportunity uh, to to meet these people, right? And you meet them all the time, and uh, say, I see your problems. Uh, here's how I can rectify them or help you get through these. So mm -hmm. companies like you. Uh, Mike are what people should be looking for. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to be in this position if I hadn't participated in college pro, you know, back in the day. That's all systems and processes and the, the very successful uh, franchisees in any business, but even going back to our college pro days, you didn't try to reinvent the wheel. Land, generate estimate or leads, convert them to estimates do the estimate in the correct amount of time, 
ask for the order, follow up, schedule the job, fill in your production planner, rinse and repeat, right? That's all. That's the system. But a lot of people don't follow that system, right? Nope. They, they don't have a strategy for making the phone ring. So those are campaigns. They are very rogue in their sales process, right? It's, uh, you know, I am a, a procedure versus outcome guy. Uh, I don't care if you land. Wayne, I landed the job. Well, but that was a fluke. Uh, you know, you just maybe hit the right person at the right time. There are uh, the, the people are either spontaneous or logical. And uh, generally people are quite logical. I want to get three bids. But occasionally you meet the spontaneous person. Like I, my, my wife just says, I got to get this done. So, you know, you show up, look good, smell good, taste good. You got the right price, go. Uh, but you can't run your business on that. Hope's not a strategy. And uh, so, you know, they have the rogue sales presentation. They don't follow up on things. You know, th th does that sound like um, the majority of uh, independent contractors? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. The bar is set so low in yeah. the average contractor's experience that in order to jump over that bar, you just literally need to show up on time. Right. That's the first thing. And then you're like, you know, 80% yeah. chance get the job. We're not Comcast. We don't give you the four hour window. We're going to show up at eight, eight o'clock. We may be there, you know, nine, we'll be there at, uh, uh, eight fifty-five. Park in the right spot. Knock yep. on the door correctly. Identify yourself. I am. You are. Uh, you know, and then walk them through. You you lead the proposal. And uh, you know, we don't email it. We don't leave it in the mailbox. We want to meet them face to face and walk them through a detailed, specific, dis uh, descriptive proposal and build value through your exchange. Yeah, and yeah, make the uh, a customer experience positive. Absolutely. So you mentioned three characteristics that make a successful owner, leadership, attainment, tenacity. So we, we, we touched on leadership. Now let's touch on attainment. So being a franchisor, I'm sure you've had people come in buy franchises who would, you wouldn't necessarily hire, who might be rank a little bit lower on attainment and a lower on tenacity. So what is attainment and why is it so important? Well, attainment is goal oriented that you've got to hit uh, specific targets, either short-term or long-term uh, proximal goals, right? So you could have a, you know, a, an early season bookings target and either you hit it or you don't, and, or you don't even know it. Uh, you didn't create a budget for yourself for sales uh, or production. Uh, so that's the attainment part. You need to have, uh, you need to be tied into some goals and you need to be held accountable. That's the problem. Um, so people, you know, if they, if they don't have an accountability partner and Sunday night comes in, well, you know, I probably, my budget said I should have 14 estimates done, but I got six. Eh, we'll catch up next week. When next week comes, another six. And now you're 12 behind. Uh, that's, that's attainment. Uh, the, the people that have high attainment or people that are setting goals. I used to have a franchisee or I've had multiple franchisees that would, I'd print off a budget for them and they'd tape it above their head in their truck. So they knew where they were supposed to be. And I also had people that would, you know, in the time ways and Google maps and all it was, they would tape a map up there, but some would have their budget uh, of uh, actuals versus budget taped above their head. They're sitting at a set of lights and they can look up and go, I got to get 14 something done this week, or I, I've got to, I got to produce 20,000 this week, whatever it may be. Uh, they just knew what their targets were. So this is like have, being being goal oriented and and having attainment aren't necessarily the same thing, right? Having setting a goal is one thing, but 
doing the difficult thing to actually hit that goal is a completely other thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then the last one being tenacity. Now that's a word that most people, I mean, you and I are very familiar with, but most people don't know that word. What yeah. is tenacity in your, in your words? Tenacity is uh, a couple of things. So one would be, I know my budget calls for a certain amount of leads generated and I got none this week. I got zero to date. What am I going to do to get some, to get some bids written or estimates done? Uh, tenacity is that I've produced all my work and it's Sunday night and I've got five crews tomorrow morning that don't have any work. What do I got to do? So that's, you know, I'm on the phone or I'm calling people back to even maybe negotiate a price or, uh, or something. Uh, maybe it's a customer that had, was considering, you know, changing the color. Well, let's now change it while we're here. So you got to be able to bob and weave. You got to be able to turn over every stone to keep your, to keep your business going. That's tenacity. Yeah. When so Google says it's the, it's the quality of being very determined. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you said something that was interesting. I'm just going to break it down into two two sections. So you said if you have like five painters, it's Sunday night. You got five painters. You only work for them tomorrow. That's that. What I would define as like having an external stimulus and and external reason to be tenacious. Whereas I think a successful entrepreneur has to have that internal motivation to be tenacious. There's no other stimuli except the own your own burning desire to be successful, and that's why you do the thing, not your painter's paycheck. Well, some people would go, they'd call their crews and go, you know, I don't have any work for you tomorrow. Call me Wednesday. <laughs> well, I just lost two days of productivity for a crew. So instead of me just banging the phones and doing anything I could to convert a uh, prospective customer into a landed customer, I'm doing it. I remember this one time, uh, almost the exact same, same situation. I was uh, running my painting business and I had about a dozen painters um, that didn't have any work for the following week. And I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday of the, the previous week. And I knew I saw the end of the road on my production schedule. And uh, I did the only thing that I knew I could get. Of course, I did my follow-up calls and all that. But the only thing that I could, I knew that I would guarantee would get me work is I went outside and I sprinted and door knocked yep. every single evening for five hours at night. Yep. I, I, I didn't walk between the houses. I ran between the houses. I would recruit some, I mean, I knew enough that I can't knock on as many doors. So I would bring out one or two other people with me, just give them the basic scripting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, did, it would, you know, th then it was a lot different, right? There's HOAs now that have rules and regs and all that sort of stuff. Cause we would, I, I would, I was smart enough to really learn how to target my marketing. I knew the style of house I wanted to, to paint. So I didn't, I wasn't a shotgun guy. I knew where I really wanted to go. So I, I can't tell you many thousands of doors I've knocked on not you know none recently because you know my, my position doesn't require that but getting people to do that Mike is a, is a real is a real challenge <laughs> how to do it yeah not everyone has that level of tenacity you know, well, it's not that you know it's you've had 10 no's you're over that right yeah that's no, not it's not as hard as you think yeah 10 no's move to the next house and get 10 no's well then maybe but then you'll get three in a row like somebody would say but again I would target my my cold calling and call it that into areas. Uh, you know, again, I looked at any of my businesses as a sales and marketing position. I knew my target market and, you know, in the painting business at that time, it was homes that were painted five years ago or built mm -hmm. four or five years ago with a contractor's grade material. And I knew 
right? Uh, you do the math, the you know, houses are painted kind of on average every five years. And uh, let's say there's 2,500 houses in this market here. Well, there's 500 of them that are going to get painted this year. I just got to find those 500 in that sure. maybe that zip code or postal area, depending on what, you know, if you're Canada, the U.S. And then I forget that I had 30,000 other homes. I just focused on these 2,000 or 3,000. That's For where sure. I focused my efforts. And so that's like that's like being the the biggest fish in a small pond, right? Well, and having better market penetration, they're thereby well, being seen more. Uh, so I would have, I I would have five crews. I would have owned fifteen lawn signs, and uh, so I would have fifteen lawn signs up within like a two mile by two mile area. Uh, you know, one on the house we just finished, one on the one they're working on, one we're about to start. You know, we go do prep or wash or something like that. Yep. You know, we would move these fifteen lawn signs around every three days. It looked like we were. We became boutiqueish. That yeah. that was that was the thing. Yeah, I love it. Just just bootstrapping and and being seen everywhere, even though you're not really everywhere. You're just everywhere for a few people. Yeah, and you know they're all referral calls, so they're a much you know higher close rate, probably a little yeah. higher ticket size. It just became so much easier. Marketing costs went down because uh, I didn't I wasn't required to. Uh, you know we would we were so busy that uh, we would have to. I would never say turn people away. I. I would give away jobs to other college pro franchisees. Do you think that leadership attainment and tenacity are inherent within someone, or do you think they can be learned and developed? They can be learned. So leadership I, the one you've got, right? The, you know, you were captain of a sports team or you take the lead in pretty much anything, even with your friends, like they'll, they'll call on you. Like, what are we doing this week? You know, they're calling you, they want to be led. Uh, so I think leadership is the hardest one to have, but you know, most people have it, um, tenacity, precision is the other one, which is organizational skills. You got to have that one too. You can't be running it, writing everything down on a piece of paper and think that, uh, you're going to remember everything you won't. So, you know, um, uh, and you know, introspection, those, so those are all ones that can be taught. Now, here's the challenge. Most independent contractors just say, and there's low barrier to entry in the painting business, right? Today's Thursday. You can be in the painting business tomorrow. Mm -hmm. a truck, a ladder, and that's it. It's all I need. I actually had a customer who bust to as estimates. Yeah. Well, interest. So, uh, but the problem is they don't have a system in place, right? They don't know how to create marketing campaigns. They don't know how to identify their target. Uh, they don't, you know, then they'll just... They'll send off flyers, but there's, you know, or use marriage mail. It could be all Valpac or money mailer, right? That's just shotgunning everything, right? You, you, you're going to get calls from way over here, way over here, maybe. So, or they're just spending money blindly and it's out the door and, oh, I made an effort at it. So no marketing plan, no business plan. Like uh, I want to be able to hit, you know, I need to be able to hire some people, Unless again, unless they just want to be a chuck in the truck and on the tools themselves. Most, Most people listening to this podcast aren't that type of person. Yeah. So they need to meet a guy like you or a guy like me, and we give them the the blueprint for success. It's kind of a business in a box. Yeah. That's what they need. And then they need some accountability generally from you know the missus isn't going to give it to them. The missus <laughs> is usually saying, like, well, what are you doing? Like, why don't you go get your job back? Uh, no, I feel like I need to be doing this. But you know, there's no accountability. 
they they maybe see another contractor at the paint store and they're like, wow, I wish I was that guy. And they could be right if they just did things more smart than just off the cuff. So mm-hmm. I have a budget like I need to generate this many leads. I need to land this much work. I need to have a sales process, like not just some rogue process. And there's lots of them out there, right? You know, we, you and I were trained in kind of the same way and that's been refined and polished. And, you know, so many of the steps now have been re redone pre-positioning phone calls, right? So that even before we get there, they know what's going to happen. And then when we get there, right, we give them, you know, maybe it's the list. We want to talk about the specific things on the job, number of coats, surface prep, minor maintenance, what's included or excluded, you know, and then the walk around. So, a lot of contractors don't even do any of that. They just, the customer will say, you know, the address is this. I want to get the house painted. Leave me the proposal, right? So there's no customer interaction. Yep. You're guessing at everything. The includes and excludes, the colors. There's no ability to upsell. There's no ability to features and benefits anything. Yep. Uh, so that's kind of the rogue sales. And then, you know, no follow-up. Uh, you know, follow-up is really even after you land the job, you got to follow-up to schedule it or... All right, Mrs. Jones, uh, you know, I, you should get two or three other bids. Let me know when you'll have them and then I'll follow up uh, at a specific time and date. I'm, I'll tell you when I call and uh, maybe you have a decision for me. And I'm okay if you decide to go with somebody else. I just want to make sure I didn't drop the ball on something. Yeah, just just having that's those are really simple systems and processes that you can implement to close more deals yeah. for sure. So we have tenacity. Um, you did mention a few other. We don't need to get into everything, introspection, values, you know, precision, all that right now. But next thing is bringing on the right people because, you know, you can only do so much as one person. You know, yeah. you can probably produce 100,000, 150,000 a year until you need a team. Um, what, uh, what do you look for when it comes to bringing on the right person uh, to help a business grow successfully? Well, identify where you need them. Uh, most people don't have administrative skills. Uh, and I would say that was my weakest part of, of always, even to this day, right? I, I'm not a fan of uh, accounting or finance. I know it, I've had to teach it and I'm, I'm good at it, but it's not my favorite. So maybe if you're somebody who's just a sales and marketing guy, you bring on somebody that uh, is a part-time admin person, or uh, maybe you need somebody that you just, you love to go out in sales and market and book, 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 but you're, you don't really like uh, operations. So you'd maybe bring on somebody who's operationally strong, or maybe that's yours because that's where the money is. And you bring on somebody who's a sales and marketing person that does the estimates and then they bring them to you to get them done. So you need to identify uh, the type of person. And then, you know, this, the skill set that is required within that is, is secondary, right? So identify which area you need to fill first and then look for, you know, you're either going to go to Indeed or Career Plug or something like that. You maybe network somebody, you know, don't hire, uh, you got to have some type of a flow through. It's not a one-to-one, right? I meet a guy, you know, uh, pr- press the flesh, right? You got Paul's show up Friday. No, we're looking for uh, some people. So that goes into the interview and selection model. Like, who am I looking for and how am I going to identify this person? Uh, so you need to generate a pool of names or applications or resumes or whatever it is, and then take your time. But you got to be doing this weeks in advance. So this isn't something like today's Thursday that I want to have somebody hired by this weekend. You've done nothing to generate a pool of candidates. Uh, 
And I always say hiring is just like client marketing. It's consistently, you're doing it all the time. Client marketing, you know, you've got different campaigns on the go, but you should be as a contractor, uh, independent contractor or whoever, you should be consistently looking for people because mm -hmm. somebody may say, you know, I got a better job or, you know, it could be a subcontractor working for you. That's three people and think they leave. And now, now all of a sudden you got a hole in your production schedule. So you, you got to be consistently marketing clients and team. Mm -hmm. so, uh, your main question was you got to find what you need to, you want to fill first. And again, a lot of people, it's just get, get rid of the paperwork. That's a, that's a burden that they don't like. Mm -hmm. So to bring on the right people, basically figure out where you need them, what the specific role is, outline that role, and then what type of person you want in that position, yep. Yep. the skill set required, and then basically put together an ad based on of that and start generating some names and applications. Yep. Perspective people. Yep. Yeah. So... Any other, so we talked about those main values, you know, leadership, attainment, tenacity, uh, and then bringing on the right people. Are there any other like, you know, red flags or, or things that you can kind of identify just on the top of your head that would make a painting, you know, painting business successful or, or unsuccessful? Focus, uh, know your lane. Don't, don't go outside your lane. So here's what I see a lot of where, they'll start, uh, you know, I'm running a successful business. So they think, and it may be successful. I want to start adding, I want to go buy another business. And now they don't have, generally they don't have the revenue or capital available to market two businesses. And even though the painting, pardon me, the painting one may be generating all the revenues, but if their focus is on the other one, guess which one's going to die. Uh, so that's a classic one where they want to, they get outside their lane. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a, that's a key one. Know where you're at. Set a three year vision for yourself. Like, where do you see this business today? Today is September 7th, uh, September 7th, 2026. Where am I? Where does this business where would it be? How many people do I have? Have I expanded uh, into a different market? Now, that's that's another one. Like, don't just think that you're going to cover the whole city when, you know, you're target areas just over here. Let's just consistently work there. And so, you know, nowhere, what other technology do I need to bring into my business? Do I need to skill up myself or anybody else? So those are some things that owners should be looking at to, you know, I think what you're asking me is really, how do I grow and scale properly? Uh, how do I get myself out of the truck and mm -hmm. this thing? How do I bring on two trucks? How do you know? So, you know, I, I always teach the journey, which is a bunch of dots on a map, and you got to go from dot one, which is the owner. Dot two is owner, part-time admin, estimator, or production person. Dot three, now these are all based on revenues, right? Uh, so it's the more headcount you have, the more, uh, you know, the more revenues. And and really, to you need to look to, you know, when this business, when you, you start it, you should be looking, how am I going to get out of this thing? So it's a weird question. I just started, but I should think of an exit strategy. And at some point, do I sell? Is it is this thing sellable? You know, and if it's uh, sugar painting, it's probably not sellable, right? Because if it's Wayne doing all the, you know, who's going to buy that? So you'll come up with a trade name that is somewhat, you know, marketable. 
and then, you know, just grow and then think, okay, uh, maybe 10 years from today or 15 years, I want to exit. I either want to sell or I want to promote somebody from within. And I still, I'm involved, but I'm not on the day-to-day -day thing. And, you know, and then also you need to be, how do I extend some services here? So that gets into your B2B marketing, find out how to generate some recurring revenue. So every year you may be sitting on 100,000 or 200 or 500,000 of recurring uh, it's sitting there, right? Uh, mm -hmm. booking this stuff. That's B2B stuff. You need your residential. You asked me the very first thing when I got into commercial, what was my issue, right? Cash flow. Uh, so those are some things, you know, Mike, I'm sure you're talking to your people about that, but that is, you know, if that's getting out into the worldwide web of, uh, painting contractors and they want to, you know, grow and scale properly, those are the things to do. So I really like that idea of like, even if you're just getting started, um, think of your, not necessarily your exit strategy, but think of where you want your business to go, because I think that will really help people uh, make decisions. Yeah. Well, come on, come up with a three-year plan. So what, what is my budget this year? What is it next year? And what is it? I don't believe in five-year and 10-year goals. That's, that's way too far, right? Uh, yeah. Your life could change a lot. Uh, but anyway, come up with a, you know, the term, you know, the more recent term is rocks. What's my vision? And then just, you know, as you bring on people, bring them on who understand your vision and help build it. You can't build it. You can't swing a hammer and cut, you know, uh, pound enough nails and cut enough boards to, to build your business. You can't. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so with all of that, like, how did you get, how did you get then get involved with, um, with Fresh Coat? Uh, well, going back to the neighborly days, so I was essentially out of the out of that. I was doing executive coaching uh, with CEOs around the world. Actually, I've, I've done coaching with five, you know, in five different continents. It's all on le leadership, strategic initiatives, things like that. And uh, COVID came and killed all that because I generated the majority of my leads through speaking engagements. Uh, there were no speaking engagements. And uh, I had a peer group business, which I still do. And we couldn't do any peer group meetings and virtual peer group meetings are marginally successful. Uh, so I had some time and I reached out to uh, uh, Tara. Now I, I knew Fresh Coat. I, I tried to buy Fresh Coat uh, in 2004. Uh, I think I was at like 22 locations and they were at like 15. And I went, oh, I could almost double my size if I just acquired this brand. And they, they wouldn't sell. Uh, so I, I knew who they were. They, had, you know, at that time, had kind of marketed themselves as the low cost or low entry business and really interior only, you know, $199 a room. And I went, mm, I mean, I would change that whole model anyway. Uh, so I reached out to Terra. You know, they had a big enough footprint with, you know, 170 locations. Um, you know, they had challenges and holes in their system that I went, wow, that's right up my alley. Uh, is growing and scaling, so uh, it was just a good uh, a good marriage that uh, you know they kind of let me. I'm the you know the visionary kind of mad scientist guy, and uh, they they thought, okay, we need a little energy, we need to grow and scale, and uh, this guy's got a, got some ideas. So perfect, and that was in uh, October of last year. Yeah. Awesome. And what have you what have you uh, implemented and and learned over this last year? getting into a company that with so many locations. Well, not as much learn, you know, cause I've, I've, 
I've pretty much seen everything. <laughs> it's really just adding uh, more systems and more processes, more engagement with the franchisees or owners, uh, you know, more touch points with them, more leadership development. So, you know, every business will have, uh, you know, sort of the uh, onboarding or, um, you know, new, new owners coming into the business. Uh, then you have a group of people that are in the emerging and then you have some dominant players. Well, uh, Fresh Code had a lot of people in the onboarding. They had a, a good group of people in the emerging. They don't dominant players, meaning six billion, eight million, ten million dollars a year. They don't have anybody like that. Serta Pro will have a handful of them, you know, but they got a big head start too. Um, so, you know, I focus mostly on the emerging. Uh, you know, so it's I, I believe in a program called Double Double, which is the double your revenues, double your profits in three years or less. So that's 26, 26, 26% growth. It's not as hard as you think. If you start adding headcount, so if you're a half million dollar business and you add on another estimator and they can go book you three quarters of a million dollars and you were three quarters of a million now, now you've doubled. So it's a 26% growth. It may seem, if you're going to do this all on your own, that's a, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough uh, uh, haul. Uh, so that's what we've been focusing on is more in the emerging, giving them the skills, holding them accountable, making them uncomfortable, because when you're uncomfortable, uh, you know, your, your results will be there. If you get comfortable with two crews, I can't move you off the two crews. Yeah. So uh, that's where, you know, those are the systems and processes and they're more uh uh, more focus on finance. You got to be able to, it's not just revenues generated. You got to make money at this. Uh, so, and then just more on the individual coaching one-on-one. So the accountability, uh, so the owners, you know, that's why I've come up with, you asked me, I think the other day, uh, you know, but the one-on-one and the goal set and review, yeah. that's crucial. That's crucial. They didn't have that before. And uh, the scheduled calls uh, for the accountability. Mm-hmm. So, when people start, be, they're being held to, you got to generate 12 to 14 leads. Now, this isn't for everybody. Yep. Uh, but, you know, if you're on a call with me and you did six estimates and your budget called for 12 or 14, we're, we're, we're going to have some conflict. It's funny how how tried and true and just like ubiquitous these uh, these systems are that, you know, you learned a long time ago. I learned less of a long time ago. But how applicable they are across any, not probably not even any painting business, but any trades business. Any, any trade business. They're all, the, I could, I could, you know, I was working in a flooring business. Uh, we're doing some coaching there. I was doing, uh, I've coached handy. They're all the same. They're, yeah. you know, the customer's the same. They respond to things the same. Uh, it doesn't matter the trade. I don't even need to know the trade. Uh, but that's, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't yeah. know the, the widget that you sell. I couldn't care. It's, yeah you know, I'm going to give you the systems and processes to run your business properly. Yeah. Yeah. And the, so, I mean, it's probably too early to, to tell, but like, what have you noticed even in terms of the, the uh, engagement of the franchisees since implementing some of these strategies? Close rate increasing near double. Uh, ticket size going up because they're learning to upsell. Uh, focusing their market uh, marketing into specific targets versus you know shotgun the whole thing. Uh, so you know right there, a calendar management. Figure out the time of the day that the fish are biting uh, for estimates. Uh, so calendar management, specific days and times of the days is important for uh, sales and marketing. So 
implementing these things into, you know, franchisees, uh, businesses, watch them flourish. Amazing. I, uh, I mean, you know, any, any, any tips, we went through a lot of tips and advice and, and, and actionable things for people, but like, you know, for the, for the contractor right now, who just feels stuck, you know, in their business, don't know where to go. Like, what would you recommend they should start doing tomorrow to, to get out of that situation? If they're just, you know, they're too busy, they're running too many ways, they don't have enough work. How can people get out of that rat race? Well, I'd say, in your case, meet meet somebody like you. Try to engage in a mastermind group of uh, people that are struggling, right? You just hit all of them, right? It's uh, a rogue sales process. My business runs me. I, I am not in control. I'm getting tired of this. My lifestyle is horrible. Um, I don't have specific, you know, I, I feel like uh, the phone rings and it's a heart attack, right? It's, you know, all those, if, if that's what you're feeling, you, and you, but you kind of enjoy the trade, engage with somebody who's going to coach you and walk you through, set up some plans for you. That's what they need. You can't get it from a CPA. You can't get it from, you know, but you got to find somebody who's specific into home services. Don't just go and deal with somebody who's a business coach. You may uh, be a $300,000 owner and they're used to dealing with $30 million clients. That's, that's an apple and a transmission. Those are not being the same. <laughs> Uh, so find, you know, if you're going to do go that way, find a coach that is kind of walked in your shoes and can walk you through. But you got to be able to accept coaching. If you just say, yeah, I want to do this. And then the, and maybe, Mike, you've had this. You've engaged with somebody and they're dying for direction and you give them some ideas. And then the next call is, well, you know, didn't really happen this week. Um, you got to cut bait because they're, you know, they're they're not coachable. There's no tenacity. There's no attainment. Uh, so those are the things. They got to be, you know, I would bring on, if I bring on people, I do a kind of a, a mental interview. Actually, it's, yeah, it could be over the phone, but I'm going to ask them all these questions and rate yourself on this and tell me experiences. And if all those things are good, then I'd say, okay, I'll work with you. But if they're a one out of five in some things, they're a one out of five for a reason. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, and we could talk all day on your experiences and, you know, I'd love to have a round two one day, but, um, I want to be respectful of your time and okay. thank you so much, Wayne, for, uh, yeah. for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, if you wanted me kind of as a regular contributor, I'd be happy to do so. Awesome. I think, uh, uh, time. I think we love that. So we'll do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not quite that. Not quite that. Games. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate it, Wayne. And uh, thank you so much until next time. Yeah, Mike, good to see you. And again, anytime. I appreciate your your efforts. And uh, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. And, you know, uh, great success in the future with you. Right. Right on. Thanks again, Wayne. Same to you. Thanks for listening to the Painter Growth Podcast. If you want to grow your painting business, go to www.paintergrowth.com or click on the top link in the description. Talk soon.